Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mace. Here with me is Jay Jones, and we are here for a free-for-all Friday. Indeed. Indeed we are, George. Um, and today we're going to talk about the Trinity in the Old Testament. So we we have a series of free-for-all Fridays that are kind of planned, so we know where we're going to go. And we're going to talk about our conference sermons each. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to get Josh King out here too, and Corey, okay. who didn't get to preach because yeah. he got sick. So it'll be it'll be pretty good because uh, we can just have a conversation about it. And you did the Trinity in the Old Testament. So before we do, I know you have shenanigans for me. Well, um, I had some for you, but we had to scratch it because sometimes you need to be restrained, yeah. Jay. <laughs> Here's what you have to realize, like, um, military people have a, a different sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, I laughed at what you, you showed me. I don't think it wasn't funny. I just but, don't I just, see, it may have been... <laughs> I, I didn't think, okay, this might hurt somebody's feelings. Uh-huh. And you were like, this might hurt somebody's feelings. Uh-huh. And I'm like, ah, okay, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was funny. It was. Yeah. yeah, it was. So I don't have anything like that. So I'm ready to get into the 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 topic at hand, but I know you have something. Well, something. you know, I just thought that we could spend just a few minutes talking about the uh, the elections mm. and okay. uh, kind of the direction that our country is going. Yeah, um, I mean, they, people were expecting a red wave, and this is this is at least the second time I remember <clears throat> uh, people predicting that oh, the Republicans are going to just take over. Right, and then it it just yeah, it didn't was, happen. It yeah. just was a a whimper. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what what um, what do you think about that? I mean, what 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 do you think it is that's keeping, I, I guess, Republicans conservatives from? Uh, we 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 have criticized Biden and Democrats and the direction that the country is going, and we see people complaining and. Uh, approval ratings are down, and then when it comes to actually changing anything, they just vote in the same people. I mean, you look at right. uh, you look at the the governor of of Michigan mm-hmm. and how terrible she was during COVID, right? All the lockdowns, and yeah. she, I mean, she was just a disaster. And then she just easily wins again. Yeah, you've got uh, you got Pennsylvania, yeah, Pennsylvania. You have right. Dr. Oz. Running uh-huh. against Fetterman, right? <laughs> and if you ever watch Fetterman, um, he he is just a, a train wreck. Yeah. Um, you've got. Um, let me see if I can. Yeah, Fetterman had a stroke and he has brain damage. Yeah. So it's not even like a. It's like it's like <clears throat> a few, okay. If you're not at these type of capacities, then maybe you shouldn't. Be serving in in a way, right? He's going to have right. to be handled. He'll have a handler. Yeah, there, there's no way that he's going to be able to. Yeah. Well, to he's a, follow. He. So we we both watched the debate, right, between yeah. Oz and and Fetterman, uh-huh. the the Pennsylvania right. debate, and he had to actually have a teleprompter behind the the debate moder, uh, moderators, so he could he could he, process what was being asked of him, right? And what Oz was saying. Are they going to do the same thing? In the Senate, are they going to have a, a right. teleprompter so that he can, yeah, he can process what's being said? 
<clears throat> yeah. So he's he's kind of a good, I think, case study of one of the reasons. We can talk about others, but I think one of the big reasons is that um, Democrats are better at getting their getting their message and telling a story. Whether it's a true story or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. It just has to be told. He's a perfect example of this. Yeah. Like he wears hoodies all the time. Uh-huh. Like I told you, like he's he's wearing a hoodie like he just came from the steel mill. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's and that's how they they <coughs> put him out there like he's a blue collar guy. He's worked hard, he's you know, he's a working man and that's where he's from. But that's not where he's from. He's a he's a rich suburban guy. Like he grew up in the suburbs in a in a rich area. And he actually lived off his parents. If you uh, he lived if off you, his parents. If you, guys, if you guys don't know, here here's a uh, here's a picture of a Fetterman. If if we can uh, switch to my screen, yeah, there, there he is. Yeah, so he always wears hoodies and stuff. Look, he's got a. I bet he got that forearm tattoo just for to run. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he uh, looks like he's about to rap battle Eminem <laughs> down at Eight Mile. Yeah, but. He is an actor. I told I told you before. Like he's just playing a part mm-hmm. because he grew up rich, richer than any of us could ever imagine. Right. Lived off his parents' income till he's forty eight years old. Mm-hmm. That's his primary means of income. Like he's not a representative of who they're painting him to be. Right? He's not. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because they're telling that story. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a costume, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's what they want. That's they're like. How do we win this election? Well, let's find a guy who can play a part. Mm. Well, can this guy? Yeah, he. We can make him play a part, and uh, so they present. They present it, and they tell a story. They get it out there better. I think the Republicans are just really bad at telling. There, it, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, Republicans are terrible at telling a story, and they're bad at even telling or communicating why uh, their policies are better, mm-hmm. and they actually end up. They're better for people in the long run. Right. They they get they can't they can't communicate. Mm-hmm. They're awful. Yeah. And so they keep losing. Right. Then of course you have uh, this uh, this news story. <clears throat> it's uh, from Fox News. Pennsylvania state representative reelected despite being dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's nuts, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I thought it was fake. I first saw it. Uh, someone tweeted it out. I was like, "There's no way this is real." Yeah, and I went and looked it up, and it's verified on several, several, oh, yeah, yeah. several different news. Yeah, there he is, right there. Agencies. Uh, yeah, state representative. Uh, how do you say his name? Anthony DeLuca. Mm-hmm. Um, he died uh, October 9th. I think he had a. I think maybe he had a heart attack. Yeah, he he died and um, still got reelected. Still got reelected. Yeah, still got re-elected. that's that messaging. That's that strong messaging, George. Mm-hmm. Just stays out there, despite if you die or not. But then, but then, they, the, then, they, the, then they, don't, um, they don't let the news out that you die. Here's so here's yeah probably the um, this there'll be a was, runoff now I guess there huh this is what um, uh, let's see uh, this was from I can't tell who this was from. Uh, the Pennsylvania House Democrats, I guess. Um, while we're incredibly saddened by the loss of Representative Tony DeLuca, we are proud to see the voters continue to show their confidence in him and his <laughs> commitment to democratic values <laughs> by reelecting him posthumously. A special election will follow soon. So <laughs> <laughs> crazy. 
Yes, I'm sure that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, they knew exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pro- they probably just voted like a party line or whatever. Yeah, they just probably. clicked the box at the top or whatever and put it in the machine. Yeah, and he got tallied in. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Well, um, but one other thing that we could talk about before we get to uh, to the main okay. the main thing we're going to talk about is uh, that there was a Miss Greater Dairy beauty pageant in New Hampshire a few days ago. You hear about this, Jay? I didn't. You don't follow the uh, the beauty pageant circuit? Mm-mm. No, I'm not. Well, um, the uh, lives of TikTok. Twitter page decided to pick up this story. All right. And they tweeted a biological male one Miss Greater Dairy. Can you uh can you figure out which one? Oh my gosh. One the <laughs> uh my favorite comment was you didn't need the circle. <laughs> do you know what's uh do you know what's so so interesting about this, Jay? Miss uh, Miss Dairy Beauty Pageant. That's the winner. That's a dude, Jay. That's yeah. It's a guy. Yeah, it's I. I don't know. What can <laughs> what can you say? Look at all these girls. They yeah. should. These girls. We know what yeah. they should do. <clears throat> Your people are gonna think like this is not very Christian of me. I'll tell you when this will stop. Just gang up on it. Those him. girls right there. They just go to town on that dude. <laughs> yeah, like all twenty of them, like a straight beat down. Mm. Yeah, for robbing them of their, they try to rob them of their womanhood. Well, Julia and I were talking about this, and I guess uh, they they get like scholarships and and things from from this. Yeah, they and do. So you've got you've got this guy taking a girl's thing. <laughs> Not even <laughs> show the picture again, Larry. That <laughs> this is a beauty pageant, Jay. Now right. I know beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but <laughs> come on, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy, but it is crazy uh, so but you know this is this is the kind of thing that's being celebrated the these uh these guys that are dressing like like girls and then they're winning everything well and and all the libs are you know the liberals are <clears throat> look at look at how far we've come and it's, it's just it's yeah. just um tearing down it's just tearing down women yeah the the women now are being supplanted by men dressed as women and and really the message is uh, men make better women than right. than women do uh, I, I don't know how anyone can go along with this yeah uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about it we've got in the future we're going to do i think a whole episode on it yeah. transgender stuff it's uh <clears throat> it's just you know in a fallen world i think men are always going to hurt women mm. they just have now they've now that you know being a uh like a masculine man and all that is toxic all fallen men have done is find a new way to hurt women yeah and the women go along with it yeah women in a fallen world always go along with it mm. so that's all that's all that's going on same mm-hmm. thing that's always been done yeah men abusing women mm-hmm. yeah it's sad mm-hmm. clown world and insane clown world absolutely yeah. absolutely insane yeah Jay. Yeah, but I'm telling you, if all of the girls would say it's that's enough, mm-hmm. like if they all would do it, say we're not swimming, none of us yeah. on either team, mm-hmm. it would stop. 
Unfortunately, the the younger uh, the younger generation is being brainwashed into thinking that this is normal. This is um, normal, and it's to be celebrated. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all. That's all I had in the news. Christian worldview will stand out <clears throat> very clear. Like so, it, this yeah. is I guess the one positive you could say. You always got to look for a positive, George. In this fallen world, the positive will be that if you follow, if you follow the Bible and you have a Christian worldview, and you have a Christian home with distinctions between men and women, and you value women, and men um, are value, are valued as masculine, and men, um, you're gonna stand out like you're gonna be like so weird, yeah, and it's gonna be easier to then explain why and share the gospel. Mm. Because all the other, you know, it, the people that are just posers, the poser Christians, yeah. they're just they're just going to follow suit. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be so easy now to see. Right. Do you right. follow Christ in something just as simple as affirming male and female? Mm-hmm. He created them. Yeah. So there's one there's one little silver lining, I guess. Right. because uh, it has been Pretty mixed, you know. For a long time here, uh, you you sadly couldn't distinguish easily, like between who are Christians and who are really not Christians. But that's about to be over. I mean, it's it's right. coming really fast. Yeah. I used to think this will be like something for my kids, but it's like yeah, it's here. It's like here for us. Yeah, it's <clears throat> for us. Right. Yeah. So, you ready to move in? We'll talk about uh, the Trinity. Let's do it. All right, so we did a, this conference. If you're listening, we did a conference that was focused on the Trinity, and we did this lo- lo- like long before there ever were these Trinitarian debates going on. Uh, we just wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the, the the topic of all topics. This is the thing that makes you a Christian. This distinguishes us from from Muslims and Jews as far as monotheism goes. Like, yeah, I was. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing for my sermon intro for this Sunday. And I was looking at um, a quote from uh, John Adams, the second second president, mm-hmm. and um, uh, he he called himself a Christian, and yet he denied he denied all of these these yeah. essential things, including the Trinity. Um, and then in the comments section of this uh, of this post was this person saying uh, they didn't like the Trinity is that's not a that's not a, a necessary element of the faith, right, in right. my opinion. That's in my that's opinion. What, that's what the com- you know. That's what the comment is. In my opinion, Trinity is not the um, it, you know. It's not. It's not right. absolutely necessary for the Christian faith. But like you said, that's what makes us Christian. Mm-hmm. The Trinity is is what sets us apart from um, Islam, uh, from Judaism, from Mormonism, from mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witness. Um, it, it this is this is distinct amongst all the religions of the world. The Trinity is absolutely unique, right? Yeah. Um, so it it absolutely has to be a um, a non negotiable. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll set it up for you, and we'll jump in. So if you're maybe ha- haven't been like in on this conversation before, the Trinity that which Christians profess is one God. 
in three persons. Or it's commonly said there is one essence in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is a, an important part, that God has eternally right. been this. Mm-hmm. He's eternally one essence, and we won't jump in talking all about that, because that's when we get to mine, we'll talk more about it. Yeah. But there's one God, monotheist, three persons, not three gods. Mm-hmm. And it's not a contradiction, because we're not saying there's one essence and three essences, and right. we're not saying there's one person God, and there's three persons God. That would be a contradiction. Mm-hmm. One essence, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And this didn't pop into, out of nowhere in the New Testament either. Right. It becomes very explicit, though. I mean, Jesus will say things like, um, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And we're like, whoa, like, that's that's, what does that mean? And, <laughs> yeah. But you can see, like, he's talking about in more detail to help us understand something that is really beyond human comprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incomprehensible. Right. Uh, it's like it's like if you... I told this to the kids. If you take a stick figure in his two, 2D world and he's got a square and you try to like understand a cube, there's just no way. And that's like the plane of existence. Like God is so far beyond us. We like to pull him down. Now God does condescend to us. He condescends because he's kind and he's gracious and merciful and he loves us to reveal himself to us in ways that we can we can grasp. So we can grasp the truths of how God has revealed himself. Um, and one of the ways that happens is that the Trinity is in the Old Testament. That yeah. might be a surprise for people. Yeah. And that's I, that's I, I what so. we're going to talk about today in your yeah, sermon. Yeah, I think so. Um, you, uh, you, you read these books on the Trinity. Um, we gave out a, a bunch of books at mm-hmm. the conference. Um, James White's The Forgotten Trinity, uh, Matthew Barrett's um, Simply Trinity. Um, and, and when you read them and... and you get uh, uh, R.C. Sproul. We gave out a little a little book from uh-huh. uh, R.C. Sproul and What Is the Trinity? Right. And I flipped to all of those um, to, to where they're talking about the Trinity in the Old Testament, and it's just it's just a little blurb, and all of them say pretty much the same thing: the Trinity was not revealed until the New Testament. Right. And that that started to bug me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are passages in the Old Testament that I, I think that what we do is we we become so um, comfortable with just reading reading the, the mm-hmm. same stories that we we miss the little the little details. Mm-hmm. And when you slow down and start thinking about those details, really paying attention to what's going on, I think there's something more going on than than we often give it give it credit. Right. But I think that the kind of the the majority view is is just following this this idea that well this that yes God was triune in the Old Testament but no one knew um there's there's little traces of it but it's not until you get to the New Testament and then then Jesus really reveals uh, uh-huh. that there's a trinity. You had that uh, Warfield quote? Yeah, yeah. Um and I you know I told everyone I I'm not trying to pick a fight with 
B.B. Warfield. He's, but it, this he's, is he's, the, he's a smarter guy than me. But it it's, it's um, the famous it, quote. Yeah, that it's, a lot of people. Yeah, and yeah. this uh, and I found this in James White's book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this is kind of the. Are you trying to pick a fight, James White? I'm not trying. <laughs> you may tag him in this. No, no, no. He'd probably be up for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I want to. Uh, I I just want to to maybe cause people to um, re-examine whether this is an accurate statement. Um, but this is this is kind of the 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 base uh, quote that other theologians just kind of uh, piggyback off of. He says the Old Testament may be likened to a chamber richly furnished but deep uh, but dimly lighted. The introduction of light brings into it nothing which was not in it before, but it brings out into clearer view much of what is in it, but was only dimly or even not at all perceived before. And then this this sentence is where um, I I just flat out disagree with with BB Warfield here. He says the mystery of the Trinity is not revealed in the Old Testament. But the mystery of the Trinity underlies the Old Testament revelation and here and there almost comes into view. Thus, the Old Testament revelation of God is not corrected by the fuller revelation which follows it, but only perfected, extended, and enlarged. So, his, his illustration is of this dark room. There, It's filled with furniture, but you can't really see it. Mm-hmm. It's there, but, but you might bump into it or see kind of a, a, a shadowy outline, but nothing more than that. And and so he says the mystery of the Trinity is not revealed in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, but then you come to like Isaiah sixty three, right? Which is interesting in in all the the places where these these theologians are talking about the Trinity in the Old Testament. This this passage is not discussed at all. Right. Yeah. Um. It. I I, uh, I, I think that this this passage deserves to be to have some time spent on it. For sure. I mean, when uh, we have a membership class and a couple years ago, I was doing the first one on God, who is God, and I was doing the Trinity. And I thought it was really cool because I made the Sunday school class for people from this passage. Yeah. And we had one guy, he didn't want to join the church, you know, he's like, he shouldn't have to go through the class and this is baby stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's baby stuff, George. Your sermon was baby stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I, w- I mean, I'm I, fine with that. <laughs> I was like, uh, well, I don't think the Trinity's baby stuff. Uh-huh. Right. Um, as we'll see as we continue to talk about this. Right. I was just, my mind was blown. Yeah. But here it is. I mean, it's explicit, I think. As I, this is an explicit passage, this chapter. Well, I, I, th- I, think, I think one of the most, one of the things that really caused me to start asking this question, how, how, uh, how clear was the, the Trinity in the, in the Old Testament? Is when you come to the New Testament, the Trinity does seem to just pop out of nowhere. Um, The that I mean, you look throughout the New Testament, and nowhere does Jesus or any of the the New Testament authors argue for the Trinity. Right, you're saying it's just assumed. It's just assumed. Right, it's Um, all. It's just there. Yeah. it doesn't seem that the the major controversy with Jesus is well now you're saying that there's there's two there's two persons right um that are equal uh-huh 
the controversy seems to be more no you're you're a man and you're claiming to be that second person right that that it seems to be more the divinity of you a man Jesus. make yourself god it seems to be more the right, incarn- and that what they say literally right, yeah it, it seems to be more the incarnation uh-huh. is the controversy rather than god and the son mm-hmm. um, and then jesus says you know in matthew 28 go and baptize in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and the disciples aren't like well wait a second is there three gods like, right what's going on um You've got Paul. He he simply is assuming the Trinity all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, th- but they never they never argue for it. They never explain it. They they never they never take the time to uh, to lay out exactly what <laughs> what they mean by it. Right. Um, and I I have to I have to wonder if the if that's because they already had an idea of it from the Old Testament that that there already is in the Old Testament the idea that that the one God exists in more than one person. So right. I, I think the so <laughs> Philip didn't even remember <laughs> Philip didn't even remember saying this, but people kept coming up to me after the the uh, sermon and they're like, that, that was really striking. <laughs> I had one person come up to me on Saturday and said they've been thinking about this this all night. Um, and it wasn't even mine, it was Philip. <laughs> he said that that a lot of Christians read their Old Testament like modalist. Mm-hmm. Oh, Philip's quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they. Um, I, I think, I think he's absolutely right. Right. I mean, when he said it, it was, it was very striking that we, we tend to read the Old Testament like Unitarians. Yeah. Um, like God is just one, one person, and he just, he just changes, changes roles mm-hmm. depending on. You know what the circumstance is. Yeah. Uh, instead, and I think I think that the the Jewish the Jewish rabbis, um, at least up until the first century, were there were some that were accepting this that there's there's more than one person in the Godhead. There was there was an idea that God, the one God exist in a plurality of persons right um it's not until the advent of christianity and especially around ad 70 when the temple's destroyed that the message starts to change a little bit it's Mm -hmm. that's so there was um even in the first century we got uh the jewish philosopher philo Mm -hmm. um he's talking about this um two powers theology Mm mm-hmm this idea that there are at least two persons in Yahweh, um, and it's not just Philo. There, there's there's evidence from other other writings that, and they 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 talk about it in different ways. They, right. It's not it's not as well defined as the New Testament, and I right. think that the I think the fullness of the revelation in the New Testament is the relationships between the the persons. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not not that there are persons, but that these persons relate to each other as Father, Son, Spirit, right, right. and the Son is sent, and the the Spirit um, proceeds from from the Father and the Son. That that is that's kind of the fuller revelation uh-huh. of the Trinity. But right. the persons, there the Ju- the Jewish scholars are talking about it um, before Jesus ever ever appears. Yes, for sure. 
Um, I've got I've got some I've got some books from Messianic Jews that are talking about this. They're uh-huh. they're, they're talking about the fact that well they that the the Jewish rabbis they they were talking about a, a plurality in the Godhead, and then. 70 AD and the temple is destroyed and the Christians are claiming Jesus is God and mm. then they start to to distort the teachings of the Old Testament and it morphs into the the Unitarianism right. that is modern Judaism. Right. Yeah. There are it'd be good for us to go we can't go through all of the stuff you covered in your sermon. Right. But there are some stories that are just absolutely <clears throat> explicit I think. And yeah. you know I told you before when I was when I was in my doctoral program, there was a guy in my class, and he's born and raised in Jerusalem, and he became a Christian. Now he's a pastor. He has a Christian church in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and he writes uh, like Christian apologetics to Jews, try to evangelize Jews. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that he really hammers on to show because it's so explicit is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. People usually don't think of that passage, right? But when you go to the passage, it's explicit there are two Yahwehs in the passage and he says I show them look how many Yahwehs in this passage and they'll say well there's one on earth Yahweh in heaven he's like explain to me why (laughs) right Right? and they (laughs) right they and their tradition and their rabbinical tradition I don't know how they explained it away but Mm -hmm. I'm sure they came up with a way but they were what you I think have picked up on is they had already been acknowledging this and seeing it I I think and you know I didn't have I was I was trying to get through this because right. there's there is so much I mean I've got I've got verses right I yeah. just I mean we just didn't have time to cover it all um I think the the um what people like BB Warfield, James White, uh-huh. these guys um are are trying to do and I and I I respect them for it is taking the the Bible on its own terms mm-hmm. and not trying to um insert things that aren't there. Right. So I, I think the caution would be um we're we're living as Christians, we know that there's the Trinity and now we're we're going back and we're, you know, finding the Trinity in places that the Jews of the Old Testament would have never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um and I I I I understand that, but I, what I'm saying is if you pay attention to how the Old Testament is actually written and how it presents these persons, you're going to get it. Right. Whether you had the New Testament or not, you're going to see that there's something going on here. That there, there's more than there's more than just this, um, this uh, Unitarian right. God. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm I'm challenging people to do is not just you know buy into what I'm saying because I'm saying it, yeah. but to to pay attention, slow down on these some of these passages and see what. What are the biblical authors actually saying? What words are they using? Because we we believe in the doctrine of plenary verbal inspiration, mm-hmm. which means that all of the Bible is inspired down to the very words that are used. So if a word is, is used, um, we need to stop and say, why was that word used when he could have said something else? Right. Um, and especially pronouns, mm-hmm. and wh- what what pronouns are being used, or um, this is in the singular, this is in the plural. Mm-hmm. Why? Right. Um, and that's that's kind of the stuff that we need to to be thinking about. But I, I think that when we go to Isaiah sixty three, 
And uh, you, want, you want to read this? I don't want to read it. You want me to read you it? You certainly can. Um, seeing the... Do you want me to put it on the screen? You can. I can plug this in. Um, When you look at Isaiah 63, he is drawing on the Exodus. So God is promising um, that there's going to be future salvation for Israel. Isaiah is looking around and he's saying, um, there's nothing but sin and uh, rebellion and the Assyrians are coming. The Babylonians are coming. Um, when will God do do something? And he's praying. That's uh, Isaiah 63, verse 7 is a prayer that goes all the way through chapter 64. And he's praying for God to save his people like he did in the Exodus. And as he's praying this prayer, he calls upon the three persons, <laughs> the three persons of, of God, um, to do a work like was done right. in the Exodus. So And he recounts their working. Yeah. And so you you take Isaiah and he's depending upon Moses. Uh-huh. Then you look at Moses and what is Moses thinking? And um, I, right, yeah. I have to I think that your two options are um, the authors of the Bible are um they're writing things that they, they're just clueless about. Right. Which is for me, I think, verging on the dictation theory of inspiration. Right. That they're they're kind of like robots. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holy Spirit's whispering in their ear what to write, and they're just writing it. Mm-hmm. They don't understand what they're what they're actually writing. They're just writing what they hear, or they actually understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just more comfortable with the idea that Isaiah knows what he's talking about, mm-hmm. and that he's taking it from Moses, and I think Moses understood what he was right. talking about also. Uh-huh. Um, so if we if we think, all right, they actually understand what they're saying, uh, then I, I think that what we're going to see is... Uh, you gonna, when you gonna, the, where the are you going to start reading at? Uh, verse verse seven? 7. Yeah, verse I'll, seven? Just, okay. I'll just read verses 7 through 14. Okay. Um, and it's a prayer. And uh, as, I was, as I was looking at this, um, it was reminding me very much of Ephesians chapter 1 and Paul's, Paul's prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's more explicit in the New Testament, of course. The the relationships and and the we'll we'll talk uh, about uh, you know the the activities of the Trinity, um, how their works are distinguished from one another. But I think you see election in verse eight. You see redemption in verse nine, and then you see the uh, the presence of the Spirit and how He's leading the people into the into God's rest. Um, in uh, verses uh, eleven through fourteen, and that's that's kind of the division of it's uh, kind of the, the activities or works of of the Trinity that Paul is drawing out in Ephesians chapter one, and uh, it's interesting. Paul uh, he ends each section of the persons of the Trinity in Ephesians one with to the praise of His glorious grace. Uh-huh. Uh, look at how the end of uh, of verse fourteen. Yeah. Ends. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let uh, I'll, I'll read uh, Isaiah sixty three seven through fourteen, and uh, I think the Trinity is, I think it's explicit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that this is something that we're just we're uh, we're fishing for. I, I think it's just right there on the surface. Uh huh. Right. Okay. 
Um, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely, and he became their savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them, he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be their enemy, and himself fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths? Like a horse in the desert, they did not stumble. Like livestock that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I, I don't know how else to interpret that then. That's the Trinity. <laughs> there's right. there's three persons. Yeah. There's three there's three persons. The but, one, it, but it's Yahweh. It's it's the one God of Israel. But he he has existed and he's worked as three persons. So I'm trying to listen like someone who's not like in into reading this type of stuff. Like they just haven't they're new to it. I can see them say, Okay, I saw, I see George, what you're saying. There's clearly there is the Lord. That's uh-huh. Yahweh. Yeah. Cap capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's how it is Yahweh. in my Bible. Uh-huh. And I can clearly see the Holy Spirit there, because in my Bible, my English Bible, it's capital H, capital S. So yeah. there's two. Uh-huh. And they might say, Well, where's the third, George? Right. Where's the son? That's what they're asking. Right. So And that's where we have to do an in-depth study of the angel of the Lord. That's it. And, that's, and it. that's, 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 uh, that really is where, um, the, really the thrust of it is. So yeah, the, because the father, be, the father, we're, uh, because it literally Christians says the angel are, of the Lord saved them and redeemed them. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, his activity is the same in the old Testament as it is in the new, right. um, just in a better way in it, right. you know, in the final, the fullness Way. So that's the so, question. Yeah, they have right. Can yeah. So we got explain talk, to me the so, angel of the yeah, Lord. So they're, we got to talk about the angel of the Lord. Yeah, right. Um, because we're going to assume the divinity of the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't heard anyone that's argued. Well, there's no Father. Right? Well, you know, it's interesting, George. On my TikTok video, <laughs> I gotta take a pause. I uh, you know I've been releasing clips of our talks and stuff on TikTok, uh-huh. and they uh, they've been getting a lot of views, which is good because. Right. Hopefully, a lot of people will see the gospel. But this guy, he made like a duet with with my video from yesterday. Yeah, and he's like, "This is the closest thing I've seen anywhere to Christianity." You're not. Uh, you're not. Um, like, yeah, he's doing this. He's, he's pulling on he's his beard like, the entire like, time. Like little, a little of this too. <laughs> like his little nose. <laughs> this is the closest thing I've seen to Christianity. He's got like no shirt on. Uh-huh, yeah. He's like, you know, it, 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 this is it right here. And he's like, and I would know because I am the Father. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> we just where what what just happened?" Yeah. So yeah, um, I just had to. I just felt like I needed to tell people that uh-huh. it's a cr- it's a crazy world out there, folks. It's a crazy world out there. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't show it. It would have been pretty good. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll bring it in next time. Next time we do when we do my sermon. Uh-huh. That might be a good uh, okay. intro. All right. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the personhood of the Father, 
um, I think we can. It's a given. I think we can assume it. Everyone, right? it's a given. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit. You jump down to to verses ten through fourteen. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and it's. It, the Holy Spirit is being spoken of as a person, not mm-hmm. a not a force. Right. Um, they grieved the Holy Spirit. Right. You don't grieve an impersonal force. Right. I mean, uh, what would we even say uh, if we were watching Star Wars and they started talking about grieving the the force? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> What's it right. even mean? Now, um, the force it, can be used for good or evil. You can't grieve. You can't grieve the. That's right. You can't grieve the force. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Um, um, they they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy. Who? Who? He? Like, what, like I mean, there could be an argument right. that he. They're you know they're talking about the Father. Um, but the closest antecedent. Right. People know what antecedent is. The, they probably don't. It's the, pro, the it's the it's the subject that the the pronoun is uh-huh. referencing. The the nearest antecedent is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um. Um. We've got, uh, where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses? So the right hand is empowered by uh-huh. the, the Spirit. So we can talk about that. Um, and, and then verse 14, like livestock that go down to the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. Um, so the the Spirit is leading the people. That's That seems to be personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's at least a distinction between... Um, Yahweh and His Spirit. Yes, um, because He He gives, He He sends, um, He He puts His Holy Spirit in the midst of them. Right. Uh, so there there's got to be a distinction between mm-hmm. the one who puts and the one who's being put. Uh, right. Did He proceed Him there? Oh, I don't know. Spiration. I mean, we could talk about. We could talk. That, about I mean, it fits the, perfectly with the theology of the New Testament. Yeah, we just don't. We'll see it later. We could. We could talk about the, uh, you know, the the work and the activity of the Spirit in the Old Testament, and the the work of Him in the New Testament. There, it's all the same. There's, there is a difference uh, because even Jesus, John says mm-hmm. that he's speaking about the Spirit whom he hasn't sent yet because he hasn't ascended. Right, right, right. right. So there there is a there is some difference. But um the but promise he's the, the giver of life. Right, right. It's just not made explicit as far as regeneration. And it's not but, and it's not as um it's not as widespread as in the new covenant because right. the new covenant is talking about the work of the spirit going to all the uh-huh. all the people in the new covenant which is different than right under the old there, there's debates uh, amongst theologians about exactly what like regeneration and all those things uh-huh. that's not really part of right. of this passage uh-huh. that that would be other passages but um, I, I think that we can at least see that the spirit has personality and he is distinguished from the one who's right. who's putting him in the midst of Israel. So uh-huh. there's at least two persons. Yeah. Right? But then we, of course, we've got verses uh, eight and nine. We have the angel of his presence. Uh-huh. Um, so we've got to talk about the angel of the Lord. And I love talking about the angel of the Lord, Jay. One of my favorite topics. Did we do <laughs> an angel of the Lord the episode Lord. in the past? We've talked about it. I don't um, know if we've done one or not. We've talked about it. I don't know if we've really spent a lot of time on it. We've hit on it. I know when I first started reading my Bible, like for real, after I was converted, and I got to that passage in the burning bush, and I was like, hang on a second, and I would go back and read it again, and I was like, what's happening here? Like, What is going on? Mm-hmm. 
let's go let's go that's what should happen yeah let's go let's go over to let's go over to exodus chapter three because that's what should happen when you read it because um that's isaiah is focusing on the exodus yeah and so let's look at the because the angel of the lord is is all over the place um in the exodus Uh, he's this is not his first appearance in in exodus chapter three um, he he is all over the place in Genesis, and we can talk about that a little bit. But we certainly need to talk about it here in in Exodus because uh, that that's what Isaiah is drawing upon. Um, well, again, paying attention to what the words actually say. Yeah, right. And this is one of those places where everyone you know grow you know you, you grow up in Sunday school, and uh, well, I know the story of the burning bush, and we just kind of jet through it, and we yeah. don't actually stop and say, oh, "Wait yeah. a second, yeah. <laughs> there's something there that maybe I've never I've never seen before." Uh, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, uh, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord. There he is, mm-hmm, the angel mm-hmm. of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. So who's in the bush? It's the angel of the Lord. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But then we get verse 4. When the Lord, when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, God God called to him out of the bush. (laughs) (laughs) Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Now, who's in the bush? Yes. Yes. It's both, right? The angel of the Lord. Is God right? He's he's being identified in that passage as God is the one who's calling, but it's the angel of the Lord who's there, right? Now I think I think one of the problems that people have is he's called the angel of the Lord, uh-huh. and when we hear angel, we immediately think created being, and that can that can cause some problems. We are right. not we are not talking about the angel of the Lord as a created being, not a lowercase a, right? Right. Well. Uh, it, it's helpful if we understand the Hebrew word that's being used, mm-hmm. um, uh, melech. And melech means messenger. Right. Context is going to is going to determine what we're talking about because you look at the book of Malachi or English, Malachi. Mm-hmm. Right? It's my messenger. You better say it like that next time you quote Mal- it. In when you're doing your sermon <laughs> next time, you, I want to hear the cor- correct pon- right. pronunciation of that. Maleki. Um, it's it's my messenger, or my angel. Mm-hmm. Now I, I'm I'm not saying that an angel wrote the book of Malachi. Um, the word simply means messenger. Uh-huh. So when we see the angel of the Lord, um, we don't have to immediately think. This is a lower a lower being. Um, we can think this is the messenger of Yahweh. This is the one who comes, and we could say he reveals reveals who God is. Right. So I I think I think whenever God um, reveals himself to his people in the Old Testament, I think he does it through the angel of the Lord, right. which fits in with the New Testament because who reveals the Father. Right, it's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's the, it's, it's the second person this of the Trinity. John. He, he. This is what he has done 
for all eternity. He's the one who is sent from the Father and, and exegetes him. Really, right? yeah, the beginning of him. John's prologue of John Gospel. No one has ever seen God. Right. So the, but, so but the, the only, Lord. the only, and some many translations like I think NASB may say it: the only begotten God. Mm-hmm. Who is that? Jesus. He right. has made him known. Right. Exegeted him. Uh huh. Yeah. So don't don't get hung up on well, it says angel, and your guys are saying that it's that's Jesus, and so you guys must be Jehovah's Witnesses now. Nope. <laughs> that's, that's not what we're saying. Eternally, uh, he is he is eternally the Son, um, who. Is is he's he's coming to the people of 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 God in the Old Testament as right. the angel of the Lord or the messenger well, you can, of the Lord. You can kind of grasp this when you see whenever when whenever when Yahweh shows up and like walks around and talks to somebody and eats with them, mm. it's like a man. Mm-hmm. Like Abraham's eating with right. a man, right? And then he's you know he says like, hey, should should I tell him what I'm about to do? Mm-hmm. Like, and so every time, well, no one can see. The, the full blast of God's glory. Right. So God graciously reveals himself in a way that we can take it mm-hmm. and not like get melted. Right. Like when they pop the lid off the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. By his glory. Yeah. So we, every time you see him as a man, like Isaiah in the temple, he sees the robe uh, filling the mm-hmm. temple and he sees a man on a throne. Mm-hmm. Like he can't see all of them because of the smoke, but there's a man there. Right. And John tells us. Who that is, and John, yeah, explicitly, right. Isaiah saw his glory and right. wrote of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so it's so whenever they see, whenever they see God in the Old Testament, um, I, I, I don't think it's the Father. I think it's the Son. Moses sees his back, right? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh, so context is going to determine what, um, how how you should translate Melech. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it can mean messenger. Same in the New Testament, angelos. Angelos, is it angel or is it messenger? Because the word means the same thing. Right. Um, because that's what that's what an angel is, right? It's a messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the messenger, not just a messenger. You can you can see that. Sometimes in, uh, it's people. See, yeah. Uh, but you can see that, that kind of distinction in um, Luke. Um, God sends an angel. Mm-hmm. To Mary, right. not the angel, an yeah. angel, um, and it's it's Gabriel. Yeah, that, that's he. Gabriel's not the angel of the Lord; he's an angel. Um, even in um, I think it's Exodus thirty three, after the golden calf incident, God says he's going to he's not going to go; he's going to send an angel, and the people mourn. But then after Moses intercedes for them, um, God says. I'll send my angel, and I think there. I think we're supposed to see a distinction between uh, him just sending just some random angel and the angel of the Lord, who is Yahweh Himself, going before the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? I'm just You're thinking about things that are like coming to my mind. Yeah, from and, other passages, and I'm I'm that's that's what um, I mean. Again, we can't exhaust this right um, this topic. It's it's too big. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully, we can give uh, some some tools to help people right as they're reading that things are going to start coming into their mind and it's just going to start clicking right. Like oh, I I I see what's going on. I mean, look over at Exodus chapter fourteen. 
um, which is they, they come out of, of Egypt, uh-huh. and God is, he's, uh, he's sending a, a, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to lead Israel. Mm-hmm. They come to the Red Sea, and uh, in chapter 13, it says, uh, and Yahweh went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So Yahweh is in the, he's in the pillars, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but then if you go over to chapter 14, um, it says, then the angel of God, that's the yeah. angel of the Lord, mm-hmm. the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud in the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And then you jump down to verse 24, and it says, and in the morning watch, Yahweh in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. Mm-hmm. So, who is it? Who, who's yeah. in the Who's in the cloud? Right. Well, it's it's the angel. Yeah. It's the angel of Yahweh mm-hmm. who is himself Yahweh. Yahweh. He yeah. he is um, the second person in this tri triune God. Yeah. And he's right here, and he's it. It even says that Yahweh fights for them against the Egyptians. He's fighting for them. Um. And that's that's what's happening in mm-hmm. Isaiah sixty three. Isaiah sixty three. He's simply looking at what Moses Exodus, wrote, yeah. and he's saying, "I get it." Yeah. Um, the angel of the angel of the Lord, or the angel of His presence, or the angel that makes His face clear. Yeah. That's that's the same idea, right? Right. It, it's the one who you see the angel of the Lord, and you see God. Yeah. Um. It, he, him, he's he's the one that saved them. He's the one that redeemed them. Mm-hmm. That that's what he's doing. He's saving them. Yeah, right. And this this has massive connections to the New Testament. The angel of the Lord redeems the people of Israel out of Exodus or out of out of Egypt. Um, he leads them. He he leads them across the through the Red Sea. Um, he leads them through the wilderness. Um, this is picked up in the New Testament. And it's it's a, a type, it's a shadow right. of the reality that's found when Christ, the angel of the Lord, takes on flesh and is incarnated, and he he brings about a greater redemption than what he did in the Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, his his redemption, the way he saves them in the New Testament, is far superior to the way that he does it in the Old Testament. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and this is this is all over the place. That the angel of the Lord is all over the place. Uh-huh. Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, you've got two angels, yeah, who who go in, uh-huh. in and get Lot, but it seems like they they see the angel of the Lord as they're coming out, and uh, the uh, the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, calls down fire from Yahweh in heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. There goes the picture of the, <laughs> you know the the meek and mild right. uh, Jesus that just loves everyone and. <laughs> yeah, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality, George. <laughs> That's right. right. He just calls down fire from right. heaven yeah. uh, to to incinerate it. Right. Right. There's more that we could. Oh, talk there's about. there's so mean, much more uh, that that he's he's called by different names. Right. Um. In in the Old Testament, my favorite is the word of the Lord, mm-hmm. which 
um, you know, John, John chapter one, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, uh, and the Word was God. And um, I was always taught that John's picking up this Greek idea of the logos, mm-hmm. like the, what is it, like the the foundational force behind everything. Yeah. He's like the... He's Almost like, like the, wisdom. Right. Um, and John... That what makes the universe... Right. Like coherent and not... Yeah. Yeah, like foundational. Right. Yeah. Um, why would John... Why would John be doing that? <laughs> His book is is thoroughly Jewish. Oh. Right. Um, it It seems like John is... He's he's at le- he at least knows the high priest, right? Right. Um, I don't know. I, 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 some, I'm I'm suspicious that maybe John is a Levite. Some speculate yeah. that he was. Yeah. Um, why would he be relying on Greek philosophy to talk about Jesus? I think he's I think he's using Hebrew imagery. Right. I don't, I don't think that he's using Greek philosophy. I think he's just looking at the Old Testament. What the Old Testament already says uh-huh. um, about this person, and he's drawing the connection, Intr- right. introducing it the the prologue, right? Like okay. John's got control of the prologue, uh-huh. right? The rest of it is what actually happened, so he doesn't have the amount of like theological freedom. Yeah. So the prologue of John's gospel is like you could think of it almost like Romans. Mm-hmm. Romans is Paul's <laughs> soteriology. Prologue of John's Gospel is John's theology proper. Right, he's explaining to you something about the nature of God mm-hmm. that's not explained elsewhere. Yeah, and he's using using the Old Testament to do it. He uses tabernacle imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the word for the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. So God tabernacled with us. Right in the Old Testament in a tent. Well, now He's here. Jesus, mm-hmm. God, the very glory of God. We've seen his glory. And when do they see the glory of God? When the glory would descend down upon the tent mm-hmm. in the Exodus, and Moses would go in and talk. He says that we've seen that. We've seen this in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Prologue of John's Gospel is just amazing. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that once we see who the word of the Lord is in the Old Testament, I think it takes it up even further. Oh yeah, I'm um, telling you. I, like when I was setting out, so I got imminent Trinity because uh-huh. okay, this is not something people know that much about. So when I the first outline I sent, I think I even sent it to you. What I wanted to show was um, like people read their Bible like a tritheist, even if you say you're <laughs> right, you you are a, a Christian, you believe in one God, three persons. It's because they separate the Trinity into three distinct wills. Mm. And there's not. There's one will right. in the one essence. So I wanted to show that, and I didn't want to just use John's gospel because that's something people say. Well, John's gospel was written after the fact, mm-hmm. and but the other gospels they don't have that type theology. So I wanted to show from the other gospels too, yeah. one will, one authority, mm. um, all of th- these different things that they they share. And as I started looking, I was like, man, this is. I can use John three sixteen as my starting text. And then I started going through John three six three and the the passage uh, preceding that with Nicodemus, and I'm looking at it all again. And I already preached through it a few years ago, 
but now even after learning more i'm like oh man like i miss so much stuff mm. <laughs> like why is he say to him you're a teacher in israel and you don't know this right so I'm like what should he know <laughs> well he's quoting from uh ezekiel yeah 36 but the section really is broader than 36 it goes it goes from where does it begin uh, 34 it begins really in 34 with uh, uh god rebuking the bad shepherds mm-hmm. which is exactly what jesus does in john 10 yeah like john 10 is like 34 and re- like it's here now mm. um and in that passage god says he will come and be the shepherd of his people. Right. I myself will come, Yahweh, L-O-R-D. Uh-huh. Then at the end of that, he says he's sending the prince right. uh, of David. Yeah, he's, he's sending David. And he will be their shepherd right. forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, who's coming? Right. Who's coming as shepherd? Yeah, and so that's, that's so, there. So when he's talking yeah. to Nicodemus, he's, quoting, he's referencing this section where it's very clear that God will send his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he tells, God tells uh, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. Yeah. And he, and he does. And the text literally says, now it's translated as spirit, but the word is the same for this. It's translated as breath, mm-hmm. which right. is important, but it's the spirit, the spiration of Yahweh. Yeah. Goes forth and these bones come alive. Some people say that's, only to Old Testament Israel, but mm-hmm. it's not obviously the way Jesus is using it. Right. It's not that way. Yeah. And then if you keep going through it, so you have Yahweh, you have the Spirit, and you have the Prince. Like, who is that? Right. Who is this Prince? Yeah. Um, and then as you work through what Jesus says um, there in the text, he's clearly referencing this, mm-hmm. and not just in that passage, all throughout John, he's saying stuff. Yeah. And people people will hear him say something, and they'll say, how can you say that? We've heard that the the Messiah is to remain forever. And what are they quoting? They're quoting from Ezekiel 34, mm-hmm. yeah. that the prince will remain forever. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just, once you start to pick up on it, right. it's everywhere. Now, I couldn't go with that sermon, because it'd be like you and Gunderson's mixed. Mm. I'd be mixing two sermons, mm. which you guys were already doing, so I had to scrap that idea. But I, wa- I won't say I wasted time. I had fun. Yeah, wasting a good bit of time <laughs> researching yeah. it and almost writing it out because uh-huh. I was just once I started connecting the dots, right. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And then uh, it'll just blow your mind. And then the thing Gunderson said about the end of Psalm one ten mm-hmm. was one of the the passages I was going to use was from Mark's gospel where they're questioning Jesus and they're like, "Tell us the truth," you know, like, "Are you the Son of God?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "What he he says, I tell you the truth, that you will see the Son of Man coming at the right hand of power, mm-hmm. uh, with with the clouds, with great glory." I can't remember the exact phraseology, but it is literally what the end of Psalm one ten says. Mm. And I had never connected that before. Yeah, um, that's what Psalm one ten says. Right, the Lord is that. The Lord is at your at your right hand. Right. So and who I, is he talking to? Right. He's talking to capital L O R D. Yeah, I think I think it uh, part of the the weakness is the way that uh, the Old Testament is, is uh, translated in a lot of our Bibles. Right. Um, so you've got the Lord capital right um, O R L O R D, and then Lord. Uh, so Yahweh right. and Adonai. 
Right. And if yeah. you're not paying attention, you'll you'll forget. Um, when he he says the Lord is at your right hand, he's saying Adonai is at your right hand. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, at Yahweh's right hand. Yeah. So there's there's Yahweh and there's Adonai. They're they're distinct. Yeah. And then uh, Adonai is at the right hand of of Yahweh. Yeah. And he comes to shatter the kings. Yeah. That's all, what it says. all the all the he's. So now you can get why they get so mad. What, what, when Jesus what's, says it, what's really interesting is that that passage is he will shatter heads. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's Genesis three fifteen. It's just exactly. picking up on the on the the promise all the way at the beginning of the Bible. But I never quite got how because their reaction is like they oh, have yeah. like a visceral reaction, like tear their clothes uh-huh. and they're like ready to like kill him. Right. I'm like why they react that way? <laughs> well, now you understand. He just said, "I'm about to smash your head." Right. <laughs> that's literally what he told them. Mm-hmm. Um. And that is the one authority. Right. Who executes the wrath of God? Mm-hmm. God. One will, one authority. Right. Are shared between this capital L O R D and this Adonai. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's often this kind of um, vague mixing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like Psalm two. Mm-hmm. You've you've got. Um, I'm, I'm going to butcher it if I don't actually read it. Um, the, you know, Psalm two, the why the nations rage, yes. the, the kings of the earth, they're gathering together, they're counseling against Yahweh and against his, his anointed, his Mashiach, the, uh-huh. the Messiah, right? Uh-huh. And Yahweh's laughing. Um, he's sitting in heaven. He's laughing at them because he's already established his his king right. on Mount Zion, his his holy hill. He tells of the decree. Today you are my son. Um, I've, I've begotten you. Ask of me, I'll make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's the end of Psalm 110 again. Uh-huh. Right? Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry with you and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Um, and there's kind of this 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 vague... Okay, taking refuge in who? Taking refuge in Yahweh or taking refuge in the Son? Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, taking refuge in in one of them right. means that you're taking refuge in both right. of them. Right. Right. Yeah, and it, and Jesus elaborates on this so many places. Yeah. I mean, he says uh, the Father has given him authority to judge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kiss the Son. <laughs> yeah. He's going to judge you. Right. So it's it's everywhere though. Once you start to see it, then you're going to read your Bible. It's like what's interesting is when you become like a uh, believer in the doctrines of grace, yeah. then you'll read your Bible again and you'll be like a little kid. You'll be like, "Ooh, ah, what? Oh, man, all this stuff I never saw. Like the sovereignty of God. It's so good, and He clearly is. He's predetermined everything, even the bad things in my life." Mm-hmm. You know, I can take comfort that God is in control of those, and you're like, "Oh wow!" You just read the Bible, and then, and then, but then, when you get this, like, you start to rediscover Trinitarian theology. Yeah. Then you read your Bible again, <laughs> right. and then you're like, "Oh, what? Why?" You know, oh, it yeah. happens again. Uh huh. And you're like, "It's this is everywhere." Right. That's that's the point. Yeah. The point is, the Trinity is all over the place, mm-hmm. and you have to pay attention to these instances, wherever the angel of the Lord shows up, pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention to what's going on. Um, I mean, in, in Judges chapter two, the angel of the Lord shows up and he talks to the people of Israel and he starts speaking as Yahweh. Right. Um, and then when he leaves, they they sacrifice their 
to Yahweh. Right. Um, he's he's he is distinguished. He's he's distinct from Yahweh in heaven, but he speaks as Yahweh. Right. How is that the case? Right. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. it's because he is Yahweh, and they the the will is one, mm-hmm. and so he can speak as Yahweh in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and they have the one essence. The one essence, even that part, is revealed in the burning bush. Mm-hmm. Angel of the Lord speaks. Mm-hmm. God speaks. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Yahweh. Yeah. I am. Uh-huh. Well, whose name is that? Yeah. Both of them. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and you know, this these kind of things they they really emphasize um what's going on in the New Testament when Jesus says before Abraham was I am. Mm-hmm. He's he is saying exactly what you think he's saying. Yes. He's he's the one that was in the burning bush. Mm-hmm. Um he is the uh He's the angel of the Lord, right? Right. That's that's a massive statement for Jesus. Yeah. He's not just saying, um, "I'm eternal." He's he is saying, "I'm the one that was in the bush." Right. I, I'm the one that was talking to, to Moses, and I think that that also is, is it it's kind of helped with Genesis 15, where the word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. That blew me away when I when I first uh, was. When I first read that, uh-huh. um, in a it, it's a book called "The Angel of the Lord." Who's it by? I'm uh, put, I'll put it in the description of the video. Yeah, give me just a second. I got uh, it right here, or in the podcast description. Uh, I'm sure it is Matt Foreman and Douglas Van Dorn. Very, it's a very good. book. It's a great book. Yeah. Um, I believe uh, I can't remember if Vody writes the foreword or if he just writes or uh, a little blurb yeah. about it, yeah. um, endorsing it. Um, it's a great book. Yeah. But they, they point out in Genesis 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And I think we've just been trained to uh, to read that as Abram heard a voice. Right. This this disembodied voice. And we 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 and we kind of take that with the rest of the Bible whenever whenever they hear the word of the Lord, they're they're just hearing this disembodied voice. Um, but that's when you got to pay attention to what the what the words say. The word of the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. You've you've got him seeing something. Mm-hmm. What is he seeing? I think he's seeing a person, right? Who's called the word of the Lord, and he right? and he interacts with him too. Yeah, um, it it goes down and it says, and he brought him outside. Mm-hmm. Who brought him outside? Right. It's it's Yahweh who is. The word of the Lord. Uh, verse verse four says, "Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said this, and then he brings him outside, and he keeps talking to him. That that's who it is, mm-hmm. right? It's it's the word of the Lord actually is a person. Uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah in, in Jeremiah chapter, um, uh, Jeremiah chapter one, the word of the Lord comes to him and and speaks to him, and he puts his hand over his mouth. <laughs> well. Yeah, interesting and very interesting. If you're yeah. if you're really thinking about it, you you have to say the word of the Lord is it's not just this disembodied voice. There's actually someone that's there who has a hand who puts it over Jeremiah's <laughs> mouth, and he's called the word of the Lord. Right. And I think that's what John is picking up on. Yeah, he's picking up on this. Um, the word of the Lord. He he says these things to him. He's the one that promises. Um. Uh, that. 
Abram's descendants are going to inherit the land. He's the one that says, bring these animals to me. We're going to talk about this on Sunday in my, in my sermon. Cut these animals uh-huh. apart, and then it gets really dark. Abraham, he falls into a deep sleep. And then you have this, this torch and this, this flaming pot that walks through the, the pieces. And uh, <laughs> that, that, that book, The Angel of the Lord, uh, says this is not, it's not Disney. This isn't like a Disney cartoon where these you know, disembodied objects are dancing through these pieces. There's someone carrying them. It's just too dark to see who it is. It's, it's him. It's the, it's the word of the Lord. He's carrying, the, he's carrying these things and walking through the, the pieces. Um, but you got you to pay attention to the language that's being used. If it says the word of the Lord came to this person and they saw something, you got to ask the question, mm-hmm. right? Um, the 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 words are being used there intentionally, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be um, a PhD in in theology to know that um, a vision is something that you see, right? And this this vision is called the word of the Lord, and I think that that really it really kind of ups John chapter one, and I think it ups. Uh, the end of John chapter eight, when Jesus says, uh, "Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced." Yeah, well, he actually saw him. Right. right, he actually saw him and and was anticipating his coming. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's tons of other things that we could talk about. He's he's called the I think he's called the right hand. Right. Um, the, and the, the strong arm. The strong arm. Um, the the name of the Lord. I think that uh, there's good evidence that that's. The second person of the Trinity, he's called the name, the name of Yahweh. There's something very interesting that uh, I told you about this. You know, I, I talk to uh, soldiers who struggle with uh, their past and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you know, kind of, I've developed a theology of not just of suffering and evil, mm. but I think of how to understand um, trauma from like being a soldier or being a policeman, things like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's kind of interesting to me, and I know you have mentioned it before, is in um, the song uh, By the Sea. Yeah, Exodus 15. Exodus 15, uh-huh. yeah. He says, uh, well, they say that the Lord is a man of war. Mm, we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday and, night, we, we talked about that. When did we talk about it? Uh, I, I talked about it... Uh, Last night at our Wednesday night prayer meeting. Okay, okay. And so we just like to, we like, uh, we'll say, well, this is just like imagery. Mm-hmm. It's not like real, but maybe it is real. Yeah. <laughs> because the angel of the Lord slayed the Egyptians. Right. And who's the angel of the Lord? Mm-hmm. So the Lord is a man of war. Right. Um, when Christ returns, what is he, George? Right. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a, a man of he's a man of war. Mm-hmm. He's a warrior. Yeah, um, he comes to judge uh, the nation. So I think for for people that maybe struggle with their time to realize that the Lord is a warrior, mm-hmm. not in some like weird hey this this force just blew through this camp and destroyed these Egyptians, um, but the second person. Listen, listen to this. You want you want me to draw this connection? Yeah, do it. Um, Isaiah chapter fifteen. Verse six, 
um, or Exodus 15, verse 6, it says, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Uh-huh. Um, Isaiah 63 picks up on that. Right. Um, he, he says, Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of, of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the depths? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's Isaiah 53, verse 1. Right. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Yep. He grew up before him like a young plant. Who? Yep. The... Yeah. <laughs> the arm of the Lord, mm-hmm. the arm of the Lord. There's, I think there's these, and John quotes these that. connections. John quotes that. He said, who, who, uh, who's believed what they have heard from us? Yeah. And the answer is they're not, they're not listening. They yeah. don't believe, right. even though this has been revealed to them. Yeah. The arm of the, the arm of the Lord has uh-huh. been revealed to them. The arm of the Lord is a person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, but this is like, if, so if people aren't, they might think, okay, I'm a little discouraged now. I'm a little discouraged because I'm not going to pick up on all this stuff. Well, let's be honest, George. We didn't pick up oh, on no. it either. <laughs> this, this is not something I was sitting there studying. I was like, oh, I, I see it now. No, I had to. I had to. I had to have someone else. Yes. Um, yeah. Do do the work for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So we we've read books mm-hmm. that have helped us to make these connections. Right. I didn't even learn this kind of stuff in seminary. Oh no, because the Trinity is something that's not revealed in the Old Testament right. according to the majority, right? The majority right. of scholars there. Mm-hmm. So they're not they're not spending time on that. Right. Um I I don't know why Isaiah 63 is just kind of I don't know. of um ignored when I I think when you put it all together, you have and <laughs> Even at the beginning, in in verse seven, um, you you've got, and I think that you pay attention to these these triplets. Um, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us. I I don't think that those that 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 trifold repetition is just a literary device. Right. I think that they're picking up on the fact that there's three persons in the Godhead. Um, you, you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 33, and, and God, Yahweh, is said to be standing on three hills. Uh-huh. I, I don't think that's just poetic language. I mean, it is poetic because God doesn't have a body, right? Um, the, the Father doesn't have a body, so he's not standing anywhere. Uh-huh. Um, but this idea of Yahweh on three, on three mountains, I, I think that there's, there's... It's just a coincidence, though. Yeah, there's just... <laughs> <laughs> that there, it's three. Just ignore the yeah. fact that it's three. Yeah. Uh, that there's nothing to see here. Um, numbers. The uh, you know the the ironic um, uh, blessing where Yahweh is says this is how Aaron's supposed to bless the, the people of Israel. Yeah. yeah. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And they fit with. Yeah, the <laughs> how God operates. Yeah, the in, works of the of the persons, the, work, right? uh, the working out of the persons. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is just we're not going to exhaust this. There's there's so much, and I imagine that as we read more and more of the Old Testament, we're going to be drawing these these right. connections even more. Um, the New Testament is going to help us um, to see these things. Like this, the apostles are not just grabbing this out of thin air. They're not making stuff up that. That no one, no one ever would have made this connection. They're right. seeing what's already in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and what we need to do is we need to read the Old Testament carefully and see 
and see what it says. Yes. And just take it at, at what it says. Just mm-hmm. use the words and take it um, as what it says. Uh, yeah. there, there's places where the, the angel of the Lord is speaking as Yahweh in the first person, but then he talks about Yahweh in the third person. It, there's there's things going on that if you just pay attention, maybe we'll pick up on some more yeah, of this stuff. for sure. Right. So well, thank you. Next time we'll do, uh, next Free For All Friday, we'll do, do mine, I guess. Okay. Imminent Trinity. Imminent Trinity. And then yeah. we'll try to get Josh King out here Okay. to do his uh, communing with the triune God. Right. And then Corey, hopefully we'll get Corey Han- Anderson out here. So we've yeah. got the next three kind of planned out. Uh-huh. And so if you want to learn more about the Trinity, you're going to want to make sure that you come back and check it out. Yep. Thanks for listening today. Hope that you uh, enjoyed yourself and you learned something. And it's our hope and our uh, primarily that, you know, if you're a Christian, this has helped you to uh, grow in your sanctification. That's what the words conform to Christ mean in our title. And also, if you're not a Christian and you are curious uh, more and you want to know more about the gospel, there's plenty of episodes. You could also write us and we would answer your questions. So if this has been beneficial to you, please like, subscribe, and share. And you can go check us out now on Instagram and TikTok and pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. We're available now. Amazon Music, all that stuff. So it's uh, it a good day. Thanks, George. Enjoyed that a lot. Hope you guys will join us next week. Bye-bye.